So uh, anyway, I am here, and I greet you on behalf of my beautiful wife, my best friend, my bride, Casey, who I believe is watching tonight. I, I don't know where the camera is, but I know you have one in here somewhere, so I'm just going to wave at my wife. And I do have a picture of my family that I would love to show you. Glad we have a wide screen, because look at it. I have six. Six kiddos, stretch your hands and pray for me right now. Come on, just. I just want to receive it. I love my family, six kids. As you can see, all of them are boys except for my five girls. You see that right there? Candace, Kelly, Grace, Bria, Allison, Angel, and then the champ, Jordan, right there. But I love my family. We love having six children. We have a blast. We're never bored, always uh, activity, always excitement in our house. And so uh, I greet you on their behalf. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things to where I, I think I said this tonight on the way home from the airport or the way here uh, from the airport, but just of all the things that I get to do, like being uh, a husband, being a dad in my home, that's my greatest ministry. That's my greatest joy in terms of doing kingdom work. And so uh, I thank God for my family, and, and I honor them. So miss everybody. See you soon. But uh, that is my crew right there. I have friends who will say from time to time, man, five girls, bro, what are you going to do for weddings? Like how's that going to work? It's like, that's true, as if I hadn't thought about that, right? No, I've thought about that plenty. But here's the cool thing. Now, the Bible says no one knows the day or the hour, but all we do know is that Jesus is coming back before my girls get married. Come on. Thank you, Lord. We don't know the day or the hour, but it will be before they get married. So that's what, just pray with me for that, if you would. I hope that you've been able to be a part of Monday night and Tuesday night leading up to it. Has God been moving? Have you been blessed? Has God been touching? Uh, so Heath Adamson on Monday night, just a dear friend of mine that I, that I love so much, and, and so I know that God spoke through him. And then last night for Pastor Glenn Berto to share his story in a, such just a miraculous story and to hear even the stories tonight and testimonies of how faith has been rising and God has been moving. Uh, if this is your first night, or maybe a friend brought you, maybe you're even a little bit newer to church or the things of God, and all of this is just a little bit unfamiliar to you, I want you to know the reason you sense such excitement in this place tonight is because there is a God who is alive, who is at work, and who is on the move, and he is building his church. Can you testify that tonight, church family, that God is on the move? And uh, he's a miracle-working God. Um, he, he's a God who is not limited by any pain, any problem, any challenge, any difficulty. Uh, he's above all. And, and I want you to know, despite the fact that he is omnipotent, all-powerful, and can do anything, he's so close, he's so personal to where he knew that you were coming tonight, and he has something specific that he wants to do in your heart and in your life tonight, not just collectively, not just for this room or this, this church or this group, but for the person sitting in your seat tonight. 
God has something that he wants to do. How many of you, just by an uplifted hand, you would say, I, I can testify that God is a miracle-working God. I have experienced a miracle in my own life. Come on, just, just raise your hand up. Keep it up for just a second. I just want anybody in here who's kind of wavering right now or struggling, I want them to know that this is real talk tonight. Our God is a miracle-working God. He's the God of the impossible. He can do anything. And uh, tonight, as I'm, as I'm thinking about my assignment and what I feel like the Lord wants me to share tonight, I believe it's going to be centered around the thought of uh, God's omnipotence and God's power and God's ability to do miracles, but with a very, very specific application. Because I'd also like to ask for a show of hands of, and this is real, so I'm not setting you up, and this is not to call you out for, you know, uh, being a, a lousy Christian or unbelief or lack of faith. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not setting you up. This is a sincere question. How many of you would say that there's something in your life that you've been praying for and asking God for, and you have not seen your miracle yet? Just honestly, would you just raise up your I need you to keep that up, and I want us to look around the room again. Because there are a lot of us who are continuing to seek the face of God, and we have not seen the miracle yet. Somebody say, yet. Come on, tell your neighbor it's on the way. But we haven't seen it yet. Uh, when I was in college, I played uh, football at Evangel University. We've got some, okay. Okay, go EU. Don't you love having the young people in the house tonight? Let's give it up for the students. Oh, I love the young people. Oh, and they just scream about anything. It's just fun. I just, I just love youth ministry. They just scream about anything. So I was uh, playing football at, at Evangel. I injured my back. Uh, did not know it at the time, but uh, would eventually discover and find out that I had ruptured a disc. I had four back surgeries. Somebody say, ouch. So four back surgeries, that was after trying chiropractor, uh, acupuncture, uh, uh, all the medications, uh, steroid injection blocks in my back, uh, essential oils. Come on, when you're a pastor, people give you all kinds of things like sniff this, rub this, try to stand on one foot, flap your arms. One day when I was telling that story, I said, I tried everything, essential oils, vapes. They're like, vapes? I'm like, no, that slipped out. I've never had a vape in my life. I don't even know where that came from. I don't know. But I tried a lot and just uh, ended up having the four back surgeries, and, and none of them helped. Actually, because of the, the surgeries, the scar tissue, the, the, the pain got worse. And, and so it has uh, significantly impacted my life. Uh, so that was decades ago, and I still live today with chronic pain, and it has gotten worse over time. So living with the arthritis that comes with that, uh, with the nerve damage, uh, with the degeneration, and now the disc above and beneath the other surgeries are, are starting to fail as well. And what's really interesting about that is that God has allowed me to see miracles happen, God has allowed me to pray for people to be healed, and they were. How many of you know that feels a little bit weird when you're praying for people, and while you're sitting there praying for them, your back's hurting? <laughs> Do you think that God has a sense of humor? Come on, I don't mean that like he's like being mean to me. 
But I would say he works in mysterious ways. Can you say amen to that? So praying for somebody to be healed and saying, in Jesus' name, I pray that they're healed. And they start crying and they say, God touched me. I'm healed. I'm like, you were? (laughs) Do you remember what I said exactly when you felt the presence of the Lord? You know, you're just praying over them. They're, they're, I've been healed. You're like, you know, (laughs) where did it go? What happened? I don't understand it. I can't figure that out. I've prayed. I have fasted. I have repented of every sin I could think of. I repented of sins I thought about doing and never did them. Searching my heart, memorizing scriptures, playing worship music through the house, believing, receiving, resisting, rebuking, declaring, and just going, God, I'm desperate for a miracle. I remember one time where a junior hire in my youth ministry came up to me and said, Pastor Scotty, how's your back doing? And I said, oh, thanks so much for asking. Man, I really appreciate that. It's doing okay. The Lord's helping me. He said, do you still have pain? And I said, well, I I do, but you know what? God gives me the strength that I need. And he said, oh, man, I've been fasting for you. He said, I was fasting and praying and not eating because I was asking God to heal your back. Have you ever been tempted to fake a healing like right on the moment right there? I mean, I'd, oh, oh, now that you mentioned it, woo! I mean, I just, I was like, Lord, if not for me, come on. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But it's like affected my life to where I was just, was taking more and more medication prescribed by the doctor and not abusing beyond what they had prescribed. But but each time, as as the time would go on, just having to do more and more medication to where my whole life was just revolving around taking medication so that I'd be able to, to get up and preach. Or between services, having to go back and, and lie down on the floor or on a couch so I could get up and preach again. And I'm like, Lord, I'm just trying to preach. You know, like, I'm not trying to out, like, run a gang or something like that to where you're trying to cripple me and slow me down. I'm trying to preach the word. And this hurts. And it's confusing. And maybe some of you can relate. I mean, I believe in miracles. I've experienced them in my life. He's the God of the impossible, no doubt about it. You read it in Scripture. There are just times that when my faith collides with my reality, the enemy would love to get up into my headspace and cause me to waver in my faith. And so this is what I felt like my assignment would be for tonight. What do you do when the miracle that you're praying for doesn't come when or how you prayed that it would? What does my love for God look like when he carries out his role as God rather than Santa Claus?
Because there came a point for me where when I didn't get what I wanted, I started doubting if Santa Claus was real. And in our American mindset, we're okay with the concept of Santa Claus more so than we are the concept of a sovereign God who moves not simply out of omnipotence and his power, but omniscience, his all-knowing. He can do anything, and he knows the right thing and the right time. What do I do with that? What do we do with that when we're fasting and praying, and we're praying for a loved one to be healed, but they still pass away? What do you do when you're struggling with anxiety? And you're praying for God to deliver you, but you're still plagued. What do you do when you prayed for the promotion and didn't get it? You've prayed to get pregnant and you have not been able to. What do you do with that? Well, tonight we're going to run to Scripture because God is never intimidated by our questions. But he's very honored when we recognize the fact that he is still God, very God, and we can go to his word and find hope. Can you say amen to that? So I want us to look at a scripture tonight. And uh, to help kind of set the stage for this, I thought, how can we break down something that is really so complicated or so complex in terms of the sovereignty of God and how God moves, especially if you're talking about miracles or, or healings and, and, and how we do. So I thought, you know, do I do a dissertation on the Greek study of the word prayer and fasting and what it means? And I thought about maybe pulling up a diagram of the holy of holies and, and saying, okay, you notice here and this is what it means. But instead, I've got a picture that I think is going to make it so clear and so plain to you. Here it is right here. This is going to help you. Check this out. Now, you see that right there. And you're thinking, what in the world? Now, here you have Culver's, right? Anybody like going to Culver's and just getting some custard? You enjoy that? It's all right. You've never been to Andy's Frozen Custard. Springfield, Missouri, home of Andy's Frozen Custard. It's now taken over the world, so it's spreading. Maybe one day it'll come here to, have you ever had that before you're in Springfield? Ask your pastors. They'll tell you. They'll speak truth. It's from the Lord. Okay, so... My family, we love Andy's frozen custard. We love it. Now, we try not to go too often because it's expensive, and there are a lot of calories in that cup, so we don't go very often, but special occasions. So all of our birthdays, and there's a lot of us, so a lot of birthdays go. Christmas, we went. We celebrate Christmas by going to Andy's, uh, special holidays, uh, Martin Luther King, Columbus Day, Groundhog Day. We go to Andy's. And when I go to Andy's, I already know what I want because I've got my favorite. I don't have to ask. I don't have to, I don't have to look at the menu. I already know. Heath Bar, concrete. Boom. That's it. Heath Bar, concrete. That's all I have to I just. I, so I get up there and I order and I just tell them, hello. Heath Bar, concrete. And they serve up that cup of deliciousness, and it, it just, it's a spiritual experience. So anyway, it's just, just wonderful. Well, one day I was going to Andy's and got there and pulled up and made my order. I'd like a Heath Bar concrete. 
And so I pay for it, and I get it as I'm pulling off. You know something's good. You can't even get out of the parking lot before you start eating it. So I just got a big old shovel full, you know, spoon bending under the weight of the concrete. And I put it in my mouth. As soon as I put it in my mouth, I knew something was wrong. I mean, you want to talk about heartbreak. You want to talk about disappointment. I was like, no, they didn't. Like, you can mess with a lot of things, but don't mess with my Heath Bar concrete. Like, I've been waiting for this. I've been looking forward to this. And so I just got right back in line because some things, you can't just let it slide. You got you to set the record straight. Some of y'all are judging me right now, but I'm telling you, listen, if you ever tried it, Andy's, you would know what I'm talking about. So I got back in line right there, and I was waiting in line like, how could they mess it? I can't mess this up. Like, it's too expensive, too many calories. I have to wait too long. They got to get this one right, and I'm waiting, and... While, I'm, while I was waiting, some of y'all are going to judge me more over this. I thought, they're just going to throw it away. You know you've done this before. You know you've done it. They're just going to throw it away. So I had me another bite. I had me another bite. I was like, this is good. This is really good. I'm not like some of y'all. So don't judge. Some of y'all, you order a cheeseburger and eat the whole cheeseburger except for the last little bite. And then you go up and say, uh, excuse me, it's supposed to have pickles. I'm not that bad. Some of y'all are like really bad. You should be ashamed. I was just having a few bites. But after a few bites, I was like, I had, I had a revelation, y'all. I couldn't believe it. I had just discovered my new favorite Andy's frozen custard. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And a friend of mine asked me, he's like, what was it? I said, I don't know. I didn't order it. I don't even know what it was. So I had to deconstruct my concrete to figure out what it was and understand. But it has become my new favorite. Now, here's the reason why I take, take just a few moments here of this precious time that we have together to tell a story about frozen custard. It's because it gives the title of something that I hope will stick in your heart and your mind long after tonight is over because it gave me a revelation about my now new favorite concrete, but it gave me insight into some of what I'm discovering in my walk with God as it relates to his sovereignty. And it's the title for my talk tonight, and it's simply this, not what I thought I wanted. What happens when you get something that's not what you thought that you wanted? And I want us to look at the story of Paul. And so we're going to go to Scripture tonight. The Word of God is the basis for all that we will build our lives on, that we will build our hope on, that we will run to in times of uncertainty and confusion. And so I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because otherwise, when we have experiences where we've prayed for something and maybe the person didn't get healed or we didn't experience the miracle like we wanted to, if we're not careful, we can be tempted to give up or to think that God doesn't answer prayer. At least God does not answer mine. Some of us at times can feel like, well, maybe it's because we're not spiritual enough. Maybe God's mad at me. Maybe it's because of some past sin and God's holding it over me, or maybe I'm just not as spiritual as somebody else, or God has answered prayer. And I want you to know that those things 
may be true, or some of them may be true, in the sense that if you have sin in your heart, God's more concerned with me repenting of my sin than just continuing to build out my prayer list. Uh, If I don't pray, if I don't pray with faith, I mean, the book of James says you have not because you ask not, or it says when you pray, you shouldn't expect to receive anything if you're praying with doubt. So there, there are some clear, specific instructions in Scripture about prayers that honor the Lord. But I'm talking about when you're doing your best to be Bible-based in your relationship with God and calling out but not seeing the breakthrough. In Paul's life, just just this window here out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is so important and so helpful to me. If you're newer to Scripture, Paul was one of these guys in the Bible that was just like the show enough, show enough. Um... Maybe today I would say, uh, uh, who in here has ever heard of Chuck Norris? Come on, you ever heard of Chuck Norris? Okay, because, you know, every episode he wins. It's like 20 people coming after him, not a problem. Karate kick, you know, whatever. He'll take care of business. So then have you ever heard some of those Chuck Norris jokes? You know, so Chuck Norris is so tough that when he does push-ups, he's not going up. The earth is going down. So that's Chuck Norris, right? So Paul just to help you make the connection here, was the original Chuck Norris. He was Chuck Norris before Chuck Norris was Chuck Norris. So the Apostle Paul, he was so tough that he could rub ice cubes together to start a fire. Like, that's the Apostle Paul, right? Ice cubes. Apostle Paul was so tough that ghosts would sit around campfires and tell Apostle Paul stories. Okay, so that's who we're talking about. He was Chuck Norris before Chuck Norris was Chuck Norris. But just to like seriously describe, this was a guy who saw miracles happen in the Bible. Acts chapter 14, he, he ran into opposition, those who were against uh, Jesus Christ and, and, and the story that Paul was telling about the gospel. And so they stoned him, threw rocks at him, and dragged him out of the city because they considered him dead. He was so bloody, bruised, and beaten down. They thought that the man was dead, and so they took him outside of the city and left him there. And the next verse says that Paul got up and walked back into the city. Chuck Norris never did that. Paul was the one who in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were beaten and flogged and put in jail, but they kept singing and worshiping God and saw a miraculous deliverance happen. He was a person who experienced miracles. God worked through him miraculously. But when we get to chapter 12, we see that Paul has a problem. He calls it his thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, but we know that it was severe. We know that it caused him a great deal of extreme pain and distress. We know that he desperately wanted it gone. And look at what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. He says three different times... I begged the Lord to take it away. See, I I hate this for Paul and his story, but it so means a lot to me that somebody who loved God so faithfully, so heartedly, 
who was used by God so wonderfully and miraculously that I have just a window into his journey to realize there was a situation where he was carrying something that was so crushing to him, so impacting to him that he begged God to take it away. Have you ever found yourself slipping out of praying and into begging? Have you? I have. Where my prayers went from pretty little Sunday school prayers, sweet-sounding prayers, to just tears, pleading in desperation for God to help me or to heal my baby girl or to help us in this situation, pleading with God. Paul says he begged the Lord. He was needing a miracle. He knew that God could do it. He knew that, that God was faithful. He knew that, that God was capable. But look at how God answered Paul. In verse 9, Paul says, three times I begged him to take it away. And each time God said, check this out, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. I want you to notice a few things about God's response. One is that God did respond. Like we're trying to train our, our children in the ways of the Lord and teach them how sometimes God heals you, sometimes God helps you, but God always hears and he always answers. Sometimes you wonder if your kids are getting it or, you know, if it's clicking with them. And one night we were at dinner and my wife was, was talking about a situation and just trying to have a little mother mentoring moment here, you know, with the kids and, and say something. And so she said, you know, and there's this situation where I prayed for God to do it and, and God didn't answer my prayer. And my nine-year-old son piped in and said, oh, he answered you. He just told you no. I was like, that is funny. That was funny right there. And I looked at my wife and I said, he got you. Technically, he, he answered you. He just told you no. I just thought that was the most hilarious thing. But I think that that's theologically significant for you and I to understand is that for Paul, in this case, Paul says each time he said, like, God does answer but it wasn't the answer that Paul was asking for. God said, my grace is all you need. My power, that's God's miracle working power. That's God's supernatural power. That's God's omnipotence. I can do anything power. Works best. In weakness, Paul was learning something through this that obviously became more valuable than the healing that he thought he wanted. You say, well, how would you know that, that Paul had a shift or that Paul was so okay with it? Well, look at the next verse. Because Paul says, so now... I was begging, 
feeling like I couldn't handle it or take it and pleading with God to remove it. I know God heard me. And God said, no. And Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Do you see that shift? Do you see the pivot? He's not denying his pain. Nor are we called in Scripture to pretend like something's not hurting when it is. Because we're supposed to be super spiritual. How are you? Fine. Fine, everything's fine. How's life? Great. To God be the glory. God's good all the time. All the time's got to be good. I believe in speaking life. I believe in walking in faith. I believe that when God looks at us and sees us trying to pretend or fake or cover his reputation, he's like, hey, I, I really, I got this. And I'm not intimidated when you call out to me and say, God, this is heavy. God, this hurts. Because I believe like Paul, through that, God can teach us something. He can show us something. For Paul, he was learning that God's power was truly bigger than Paul's pain. And what I learned from it is that there seems to be a big difference between what I think I want and what God knows that I need. Big difference. Because on first bite, I'm like, send it back. Not what I ordered. Not what I wanted. But then over time, it's like, upon further review, I now declare I'm extremely grateful for the mix-up. Something shifts. And when I think about that, I'm like, well, God, how can I grow into a place of saying what Paul said, because Paul says, I take pleasure in these things. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because I read that, I'm like, Paul, that is awesome for you. Because for me, I don't know if you can relate to this, when I'm weak, I'm weak. I would say if I was writing it, and when I'm scared, I'm also very scared. When I'm confused, I'm utterly confused. How do you say when I'm weak, I'm strong? He learned that God's power was greater than his pain, and there's a difference in what I think I need versus what God knows that I need. Sometimes, friends, it's true that you don't receive your miracle because you simply haven't asked. Sometimes we don't receive our miracle because we asked, but we did not have faith. Sometimes we ask and we don't see the breakthrough of the miracle because there is sin being harbored in our hearts. And sometimes it's none of those things. 
Sometimes it's not a bad request or a wrong approach. It's simply that God in his sovereignty knows what we need more than what we think we want. And so I guess the real practical thing I'd like to answer in just our remaining minutes would be, so what do you do? What do you do when you're praying for a miracle in you? haven't seen it yet or you're praying for something and the door closed on it you prayed for the promotion you didn't get it you you prayed for the house you didn't get it somebody else got it you prayed that you'd get into the college you did not get into the college you prayed that that the pain would leave but it still hasn't left what do you do then three things The first one, two simple words that are like spiritual dynamite if we can hold them tightly. Number one, trust him. What do I do? What am I supposed to do? God, I'm I'm begging. I'm pleading. I'm repenting. I'm resisting. I'm rebuking. I'm, I'm declaring. I'm doing everything that I know to do. Now what? Trust him. It's like the old preacher who said you can trust him even when you can't trace him because he's too good to not believe. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways. Somebody say all your ways. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. He never promised us that he would lead us in paths that had no rocks, no obstacles. How many of you have discovered the great revelation that we're still on earth and not in heaven? Anybody looking forward to heaven? Come on, who's looking forward to heaven? I can't wait for heaven. No more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache, no more disease, no more taxes, no more, no more cafeteria food. Come on, something should be exciting you right now. I can't wait to get to heaven, but until I'm there, I'm still here. And while I'm here, Jesus said, Jesus said this, in this world, you will have tribulation. While you're still on earth, don't expect it to be perfect like heaven. Our hope is is set on one day. Soon and very soon, we're going to see our king. We're going to be together in his presence. I cannot wait. And until then, I don't freak out and I don't give up when this earth acts like life on earth. I don't have to just uh, cultivate it or just merely accept it. I've got to view it through a right filter of Scripture. A God who's in complete control, a God who is above all things and beyond, a God who is able to speak and make mountains move. He's told me, Scotty, here's your part. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. That's your part. Pray and keep on praying and don't give up. That's your part. That's what we're supposed to do. And then leave the miracles to him. Trust him. 
which means you got to go by what you see, or you can't go by what you see. you got to go by what you know to be true. What do you mean? I'm talking about we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Let me read the scripture to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8. So we are always, somebody say always. Come on, that word's there for a reason. We are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, while we are here on this earth, while we are in this earthly flesh, this tent, while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. But verse 7, here's what we've got to hold on to. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So my life will be determined, my decisions, my convictions based on God's word, not my feels. I walk by faith, not by sight. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. What do you do when what you believe to be true about God based on his word is colliding with what you're seeing with your eyes or feeling with your emotions? What do you do? You trust him. How do I do that? I walk by faith, not by sight. But Scotty, my faith is wavering. My faith is weak. Then build up your faith by being anchored to the word of God so that it will stabilize you in the most uncertain, the most unstable, those dark nights, those difficult times when you feel your weakest, tap into his word which is one of the reasons why I so celebrate you and applaud you for making the commitment to come out on a Wednesday night and to put yourself in an atmosphere like this one to where you can experience corporate worship, uh, the, 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 the church family building each other up, hearing the word of God. I would encourage you in 2024, do your best to never miss a single Sunday. Why? Because you are a part of a church that preaches the word of God and and as the word of God is being proclaimed, it will build up your faith and you will find yourself on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you will find yourself benefiting from. I'm not saying it's the only time you should read your Bible, like, but I'm saying it's being taught. And then you have your walk with God to where you build yourself up through the word. Here's the second thing, number two. Worship team can come and get in place if you would, please. And just play something that sounds really spiritual and very soft. Number two, what do you do? Don't miss all of the miracles God is doing while waiting on the one he hasn't done yet. And the reason why this is so important is because the, the devil would love for you to think that because God hasn't yet done this one thing, that God hasn't done anything. But the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. But I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you out of personal pain to where moments when, most nights I have trouble sleeping because of pain. Uh, throughout the day, I battle with migraines because when the pain gets to a certain level, it triggers migraines. And then I, depending on the intensity of the migraine, I have to cancel appointments you know, or I have to go and get in a dark room, or uh, so many times my family's schedule is built around, can dad handle it? Do you know how miserable that is? 
my wife was pregnant, we were on an airplane one time, and we were putting our, our luggage in the overhead bin there, and instead of me helping my pregnant wife, she was picking up my bag and putting it in the overhead, and a guy looked at me like, you sorry, good for nothing. I just wanted to explain to the whole plane, hey, hurt back. Hurt back, she's happy. she's okay, she's good. She's all right, pregnant wife, she's okay. Hurt back, I just, it's humbling. It's frustrating. It's discouraging. There are some nights I feel like, just in my flesh, I'm gonna go out of my mind because of the pain. I'm getting up and I'm walking around the house just trying to distract myself so that I'm not feeling it and thinking about it and I'm walking around. But you know what I end up doing? I end up praying over the rooms of my children. I end up praying over our home. And what I find is the secret that Paul learned, I find it being applied in that moment, in that situation, that in my hardest moment, in my weakest moment, I find I can't explain it. It doesn't always have all these feels to it, but I'm telling you it's true, 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 true. There is a supernatural miracle that happens in my life. It doesn't happen to be the one that I thought that I wanted, but God is working something in me, a love for Him, a trust in Him, him, a dependency on him to where I start looking around I'm going look at what God did look at what God's doing look at how God's delivering look at how God's setting free look at how God's providing look at how God is calling look at how God is speaking look at it and so I don't want to miss all that God is doing while I'm still praying for what God has not done yet final thing third piece final thing what do you do when you haven't seen the miracle Yet, you keep praying and you keep praising while he's still working. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know this is certainty. This is not a guess. This is not a, and we hope and we are banking on or we're wishing for or we're just... Crossing our fingers, and we know. You can know this. That in, what does it say? That in, what does it say? All things. All things. You can know this. It's certainty. You can be convinced of it. It can give you resolve and conviction. And we know that in Oh, not some things, not most things, not a lot of things, even that thing. This is what I felt for you tonight. I'm talking to the person seated in your chair. Even in that thing that you're carrying. And when you're watching miracles and stories and testimonies and the devil's getting up in your head going, huh? guess it works for them but it doesn't work for you I guess God answers their prayers you just must not be cut out for this oh that 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 might work for some of those people you just must not be spiritual enough or religious enough but the devil is a liar reject his lies stand on the truth 
because we know that in all things that thing that feels to be crushing you right now that thing that seems to have you trapped right now that thing that you feel like I just got to get out of this right now that thing that seems so overwhelming to you you don't know what to do that thing God is at work his strength his power can show up and show out in the best of ways for when I am weak his strength is made perfect in my weakness Paul says so I celebrate it I take pleasure in it he said I boast in it he said because that power is working through me that's a level of depth of maturity and a view of God that I just pray that we as the American church can grow in that says God I love it when your super hits my natural but I'm still okay if your super doesn't become super sensational it might seem super normal but yet it's still super natural because you are at work and your grace is sufficient because when I'm preaching this talk at home how many of you know your kids won't just take your preacher talk so my daughter going through something that's tearing my heart up and I'm seeing her in pain and she's praying she's fasting I'm fasting and she's like why won't God do it dad I'm like well I preached a series on that would you like to listen to it have you would you like to look over my notes this is real talk in your house and I said baby girl his grace is sufficient but your kids won't let you off the hook she's like and what is that supposed to mean what does it mean for you that his grace is sufficient because I'm here to tell you I really believe this I think his grace being sufficient for you is as much I really believe this if not more of a miracle than the healing we get excited about the the physical healing or something that shifts and, and we should rightly so we got to celebrate it it's God's word it's God's plan God does it but we allow the enemy to cause us to feel defeated when a miracle that comes in that says, did you know that you can boast? That you can sing in the rain? Did you know that you can celebrate? Did you know that sometimes God saves you from it, but sometimes he saves you through it? Can you dance in the middle of the fire? That's a miracle. So I told her, I said, here's what grace being sufficient looks like. Some days it looks like this. You take this foot and you put it in front of that one. And then you take this foot and you put it in front of that one. Then the next, and you just keep walking, you keep singing, you keep praying. 
praising God and says, I know that my God is able to deliver me, but if the miracle comes in a way, if a miracle comes in the time, if the gift is wrapped in a package, it's like, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I, I know that every good and perfect gift comes from God. I can trust him that he's the giver of good gifts. I know that he's working all things together for my good. I can trust him. It's good. And then I do my part to keep praying and keep believing. Keep trusting, keep praying, keep believing. Tonight, I want us just to create a moment here to where we can worship God and believe for miracles to happen. But can I pull you to a place of going, God, I'm not ordering up the way it's supposed to look, the way that you're going to do it. I recognize that you may just drop a bomb in this place tonight and totally just move show it in the greatest ways or you may send me home tonight with a grace that is greater than anything I could have imagined you may give me a peace that passes all understanding you may give me a joy that is unshakable and full of glory God all I'm saying is tonight I just want you would you do that tonight can we go after him he may give you a physical healing he may give you a spiritual resolve I just want you to know you can trust him our part is to believe. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, I pray that you would move. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would have your way. I pray that you'd be glorified. Lord, you're too good to not believe. You're too trustworthy for us to give up. And Lord, we refuse to allow what we don't understand about you to keep us from enjoying and trusting what we do know to be about you. And that is that you are a good, good father. We know that all things work together for good. I don't know how, God, you're going to take some of the situations we're walking through and you're going to bring beauty out of those ashes. I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord. I don't know how you're going to take this pain and turn it into a purpose that's going to make a difference for eternity. I don't know, Lord. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you can take some of the situations in this room that are so dark or, or just so, so destructive in nature, something that's so heavy. I don't know how you're going to do it all I know God is that you've done it time and time and time and time and time again and I know Lord that what the devil means to use to destroy your church you can use it to to raise your church up and for your strength for your power your work to come through that weakness and to shine a light on you and your goodness and I pray that that would happen would you give us faith for that kind of a miracle tonight Lord God